Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today we continue our studies in 1 Thessalonians, Paul, the Gospel and the Church. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart. We'd love for you to join us over there. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be back with you. I hope you are doing all right. I hope you've had an okay morning so far, even if you are just waking up. Maybe you've been awake for a few hours. Nonetheless, let's hear from God's word. Let's hear from 1 Thessalonians. So uh, I'm going to actually read the same verses as Andy yesterday, but I'm drawing something else out from it. So we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and it says this. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So yesterday, Andy um, brought out this concept of uh, brotherly love and uh, the need to live a quiet life, to not be uh, busying yourself with other people's affairs, but to to live quietly. And he put it in a really good way. And this, what we're going to look at this morning, this uh, command that Paul lives to work with your hands really flows out from this discussion on brotherly love, on how we care for each other. It's not a separate topic. Paul doesn't say, love one another and also work with your hands. He says, love one another and here's how you do it. And one of the things he says is work with your hands. I'd like to just focus on that this morning because it's not something that we give a whole lot of airtime really um, in kind of churches today, talking about our, our theology of work, our understanding of work as Christians. And the interesting thing is um, how the culture today has thought about work, really. And human culture really tends to be quite cyclical. It it tends to go in phases. It's the same with so many things. You You take fashion, for example. People are wearing today what was really popular in the early 90s. And it it always seems to go back in cycles. What was popular then becomes popular again. And it's the same with human thinking about things. And so when we look at something like work, you find that we've really gone back to thinking about it the same way that we, that our culture, well, our culture has gone back to thinking about it in a way that was very, very dominant thousands of years ago. Now in uh, ancient Greece, where most of our kind of philosophy and thinking comes from, there were lots and lots of different schools of thought. Uh, I always hate it when people say Greek philosophy says because there's so many different schools of thought in Greek philosophy. There's no one Greek philosophy. But you might have heard of Plato, for instance, the philosopher, and and his school was called Platonism. And Platonism was uh, all about saying that the material world, everything that you see that you can touch is less valuable. It's not um, as good, it's, it's, it's poor. The spiritual world, that's the real goodness. And so we should basically try and detach from the physical world and instead just seek the spiritual world. And, and Plato had this analogy that basically everything you see and can touch and can taste and smell, that's just like a shadow 
uh, on the wall and its true substance is the spiritual. So we need to go to the spiritual. And so Platonists started really undermining work and working in society because, well, why would we care about this physical world? We just want to detach. And so Plato said that things like painting was a waste of time, but just sitting back and thinking or doing maths, that was really, that was what was really valuable because you're just thinking about the spiritual world. Another school of thought was cynicism, which you might have heard of. You know, we call people cynical today. And cynicism, it comes from the Greek word for dog, because they basically said we should forget human society and just move back to being dogs. And a very famous cynic was a man called Diogenes, who lived in a barrel and walked around the city with dogs who would do odd things, which I'm not going to list here. But again, we just want to live as dogs, escape from society, no part in this world, no work. Um, just one more to share is one that we might be familiar with called hedonism, where it said that the, the, the pursuit of happiness is the purpose of life. And that is very popular today. And so hedonism was all about you just pursuing pleasure, do whatever makes you happy. If you want to eat as much food so that you have a heart attack and die, well, if that makes you happy, then go for it. And so there's no place for work in hedonism because well, there's no pleasure in it. All we have to do is pursue pleasure. Now, these three were very, very popular in the ancient world. And the reason I'm listing these is because, well, really they're starting to become very popular again, even if people don't know the title. The, the thinking behind them has become really popular in the last 50 years or so. And so, as I say, nowadays, we're kind of doing that cycle where we're returning to that form of thinking. Just the other day, I saw a post on the popular website, Reddit, uh, where someone had said, and it was really popular, by the way, this had got a lot of praise. Someone had said, does anyone else see the irony that if you play eight hours of video games a day, people call you addicted. But if you work for eight hours a day, that seems like a normal thing in our society. And I, I just had to double take when I saw it. So doing whatever you want, doing something that doesn't have any um, long term effect for the good of society, just playing video games by yourself for eight hours, that we should see as virtuous, as good as working in a job for eight hours a day. And the person was just saying, do you see how you know contradictory we are that I can work and everyone doesn't you know, raise an eye? But anyway, I think that's a real kind of concern. Um, another kind of thing that we have in our culture today is what me and Anna call the I deserve a holiday culture. And me and Anna call it this because we read an article, um, well, Anna read this article and showed it to me couple of years ago now about this girl who had basically got into so much debt through uh, payday loans and when she was being interviewed asking how she got into this mess when she was already in debt significantly from them she took out another huge loan so that she could go on holiday and they asked her well why did you do that she said well I felt I deserved a holiday and we just thought it was so kind of uh, typical so idiosyncratic of our culture to kind of think in that manner. Well, I know I'm already, I know I can't afford it and I really don't have the right to, but I do deserve a holiday. We always deserve to do what we want to do. And so these kind of think, these kind of ways of thinking where pleasure and, um, and well, not pay necessarily, but responsibility are seen as, um, well, one is winning over the other. Pleasure is winning over responsibility. I deserve to do what I want to do whether that's playing games instead of going to work or going on holiday when I can't afford it. 
But as well as this, a huge problem in our culture is that we don't really think of purpose anymore. Because we don't have uh, a God in our society so much, we don't think we have purpose. We're just here, may as well live the life that we want because life is short. And you hear that kind of thinking spoken quite a lot. Well, we're here, may as well have some fun. Now, the problem is, as Christians who are living in this world, but thinking differently is we can easily get sucked into this kind of thinking to an extent. We can kind of generally agree um, that work is just a necessary evil and I don't really want to do it and it's boring. But at least, you know, as a Christian, I'll do it to the best of my ability. You know, I don't want to do it. I don't like doing it. I shouldn't be doing it. But here I am. So... Colossians 3.23 says, do it, to the, uh, do it as though I was working for Christ. So I'll do it. And that, I think, in my experience, generally tends to be how Christians think. We just add something on to the end of it. I'll do it as though working for Christ. But actually, we have a whole different worldview when it comes to work and labor. We don't just have an addition on the end. You know, think about it. When you first open the Bible, what do you find? You find humans are made... And then straight away, they are tasked with working and gardening. God gives Adam this commission to tend the garden. You think of the picture. There is creation laid out before Adam. It says no plant had come up yet because man had not worked the ground. So there's this soil which has never been turned. There's this land which has never been farmed. And God doesn't say this is perfect. Don't touch it. Instead, he says, tend it, work it, do something with it. Here are the raw materials, shape them. And so Adam is given this task and, and all humans with him to shape the raw materials of creation, to turn them into something. And as well as shaping the raw materials with that comes the responsibility to shape culture. If you think about it, culture is kind of like the intellectual equivalent to something like farming. Farming is, um, is shaping the raw materials, is doing something with the soil and uh, seeds. It's, it's, it's letting creation do its work. It's, it's, it's pushing it in a direction. Culture is the same thing, but in the way that we think. It's tilling our ideals and our values. It's planting things that we'd like the next generation to take on. And so Adam is given this command and all humans with him to shape creation. And as we do that, to shape culture. And so, as I say, they're placed in the garden. There's no sin. It's not that they're doing this as a punishment for sin. What we do see is that sin makes it harder to do their job, but working and labouring is integral to their identity as workers. And as you move through the Bible, this never gets undermined. You, you know, you think about when the Ark of the Covenant's being built. It says that uh, Bezalel was filled with the Holy Spirit so that he could design beautiful things you know his role as an artist wasn't just like oh and we've also got an artist uh among us in israel anyone care about that nah no instead it was oh we have an artist he can shape the raw materials into something beautiful so let's get him to come in and god will fill him with the holy spirit to shape the ark of the covenant to be beautiful there's a value in things which are beautiful which look nice which feel nice in the same way that gardening is about looking nice, feeling nice, smelling nice. It's very sense-based. And the Bible is very, very big on that. 
We move from Bezalel into the New Testament. When God himself becomes a human, what do we find he does? He's a carpenter. He's literally shaping the raw materials. He's shaping wood into things which we can use. Jesus is, is doing that role. And finally, as you end the Bible, you find no longer are we in a garden, but we're in a garden city. Now that culture, that development, that creation is intermingled with what God has made. And so the point I'm trying to make is that as we go through the Bible, being a laborer, being a worker is never just seen as like a secondary thing. Oh, and also sometimes you have to work so that you have money and so that human society can function. No, actually, it's here you are on God's earth and your role is to shape it, to be part of the culture, to be shaping the culture, to be shaping the creation, to build something beautiful for God. Even in the resurrection, when we're when Jesus returns and we're resurrected, we're not going to be sitting around for eternity. Even in the new heavens and the new earth in Isaiah 65 and Revelation 21 to 2, where we see it, we are described as still laboring, as being involved in it without the curse that came in in Genesis. So we don't find it hard anymore. It's, it's enjoyable. But nonetheless, there we are laboring. I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show The Good Place about people who have died. I won't try and give too many spoilers if you haven't, but if you have seen it, you'll think about when they're in the afterlife, what happens is they get bored. And so eventually people leave the afterlife and just die for eternity. And that's just not what the Christian view is at all. We don't just get there to a living room for eternity. We get there to get busy, to, to be getting on with stuff, to be laboring. We are anchored in a role, even in at the end. And so as Christians, we have a very, very positive view of work and labor. It's not just a necessary evil that we put a smile on for and we say, well, I'm going to do it for Christ. It's part of our identity as humans and therefore even more so as redeemed humans, as humans who no longer just have a stake in this earth, but also in the new earth. We, are one of, we want to be the ones who shape the raw materials of creation, who shape culture. Now, the problem in Thessalonica is the same problem. Um, it's the same problem we've seen many times in human history. They don't want to work. They, it's, it doesn't seem to fit what, they, what their values are. And so Paul is saying, as if you are brotherly, if you have brotherly love, if you want to love the brotherhood, then work with your hands. And as Andy pointed out yesterday, they seem to have a problem with escapism. Well, we're going to leave here soon. We're going to be getting out of here soon, so it doesn't matter. And actually, that's not what is going on at all. And in the next, well, in the next section that we'll be looking at the next few days, Paul makes this point. Actually, Jesus is coming down, right? We're not just going to go up and up and up forever. Jesus is coming down to dwell here. Well, this is where we're going to stay. And actually, we want to have a role in this world. When Christians start to grow in contempt for this created world, we start to abandon it. And therefore neglect what God has commanded us to do. Now, as I say, I think this is a really important concept. We as humans and especially as Christians are laborers. When Paul is in Corinth in Acts 18, he doesn't bother them. He doesn't want to bother them with money. So he gets a job and he labors alongside them. At the beginning of 1 Thessalonians, as Andy brought out earlier on, 
way earlier on when we're going through this book. He labored so that he wouldn't have to disturb them. He worked. He saw it as part of his role to not disturb them. And so this is really important to who we are. So when Paul says, have brotherly love and work with your hands, he's not just saying this would be helpful for the short term. This is what it means to be Christians. In 2 Thessalonians, he even says something even more powerful. He says, he who, shouldn't, he who doesn't work shouldn't eat. In other words, as Christians, it's not okay to just live off handouts and say, well, I don't have a part in this world. We want to be people who are active, who are involved, who are obeying God's commission. It doesn't mean if you fall on hard times, well, tough, you just have to manage. That's not at all right. Paul is addressing an attitude, not a situation. He's addressing an attitude which says, well, I don't need to work because people can just give me stuff. No, we should be working and seeking to obey the command which has existed all the way through the Bible to shape creation. Now, I have gone way over time and, and Andy will laugh at me for this because I always complain that he does. But um, anyway, I hope that's helpful and I hope that really encourages you to be uh, laborers, uh, to encourage myself as well. It's a challenge as well as an encouragement, as I often say. And as I say, Colossians 3 does give us that command, work as though working for Christ. But that isn't the end. That is a huge encouragement for us. Work as though Christ himself put the assignment on your desk. But also just bear in mind, your task as a human as a, and as a Christian is to be a laborer, a laborer for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this world that you've created. And Lord, even though it is... Um, cursed and affected by sin lord nonetheless we see that your um, commands and promises and purposes for us still stand and lord we thank you for this role that you've given us as laborers and workers we pray that by your spirit you would empower us to take on that role to not just put on a smile and get on with it but actually to enjoy our function to actually find uh, peace and pleasure in obeying God in being laborers. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.